Welcome to another edition of The Chat. I'm Katherine Glaspie, Public Information Director for Chatham County. Today we're going to talk about all things Chatham. Joining me today behind the, the scenes here is Nick Beard. Nick, you back there? I'm back here. I'm going to keep the show moving along. All right. Well, feel free to jump in anytime you have any questions. Gotcha. All right. And our guest today is Dr. Jake Harper, our Animal Services Director. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So we like to try to give our, our listeners and our viewers just a little bit of insight into who our guest is. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name's Jake. Um, I'm a veterinarian. I've been a veterinarian since 2002. I graduated from the University of Georgia then. Practiced a little bit in Alpharetta, Georgia for a while. Moved to Savannah with the family almost, God, wow, was it 2007? Mm-hmm. So I've been here for a while private practice for a while, then I became the veterinarian and the director of animal services. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. Um, animal services has really kind of changed a lot in the last couple of years. It used to be under the, um, while it was a county function, it was under the auspices of the Savannah Chatham Metropolitan Police Department. Right. Um, and in 2016, I believe, it came back to the county as a department. And at that time, instead of having a police officer in charge of animal services, at the time it was called animal control, they decided to make it a civilian director. Your predecessor was there and you came on as the, as the veterinarian during right. her time there. And then when she left, you became the director. Um, before we even start talking about our topic today, do you feel that it's important to have someone that is a veterinarian as the head of animal services? I think it's may not be necessary. I don't know if it's necessarily needed, but I think it gives me a kind of a fresh perspective about what goes on. Um, you know, having come from a veterinary, from a veterinary background, I can kind of understand the ins and outs of what's going on with the animals that we take in. Mm -hmm. I also kind of get a little fresh perspective of, of educational part, because I think that's a big component of what animal services should be for Chatham County is an educate. First and foremost, education. Mm -hmm. We should try to you know teach people how to properly care for animals, how to deal with you know issues that may come up, and be able to you know advocate for those animals as well. Because I think that's you know what a community does as far as animal welfare says a lot about that community. Absolutely, it does. And you know we have a a community here. You and I both know this because we we are out in the community a lot, but we're also talking to people who are. Um, animal advocates um, in our community. And we do have a lot of advocates in this community for animals. Um, sometimes I think, wow, for a community that has this many advocates, I'm kind of surprised we have as many community animals as we do. Right. Um, but I think that is also a product of some of the things that we're going to talk about over the next probably three or four episodes. And we may it may actually be something that we intersperse um, down the road a little bit in, in episodes for this. But I think talking about those community animals and what we do to prevent those is very important. And I know you as a veterinarian definitely see that. And as the animal services director, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, yes, we need to we need to do some things to help no, our absolutely. animals. No, that's absolutely correct. Let's talk about one of the things that I think kind of hits home every year in Savannah because we end up having several raccoons uh, per year and sometimes a dog or a cat that are affected by rabies. 
tell us a little bit about rabies and what what we need to be doing to prevent it in our community. So first of all, rabies is a virus. It's transmitted in saliva of an infected animal. Um, the way that it's it, typically it's a bite or scratch where they've licked their paw, licked okay. their claws, whatever, and it's it's an actual bite transmission. What the virus does is then transfers through the body of the affected animal to the brain and causes basically neurologic dysfunction that progresses from kind of a stupor type stage mm -hmm. to death. It's almost 100% fatal in most in every species that it infects. And it can go across a number of different species. So you could have a raccoon that gets into a fight with a cat that gets into a fight with a dog that then bites a human. Absolutely. Now that would be... That can happen. It's typically, it's, it's usually a one-shot thing where, you know, an animal is infected, becomes rabid, and then attacks something else because there is a time period that happens. Mm -hmm. Typically, you know, and that's that's kind of the issue, and that's where the science comes in, is we don't know exactly what that time period is. It kind of depends on where the bite happens okay. because that virus has to travel from wherever the bite happens to the brain. Mm -hmm. So, and then out through the salivary glands into the saliva. So that can take weeks to months. Oh, wow. So that's where you're typically, you know, that's where you may not know. And that's where it's kind of a, you know, we recently had a dog that was quarantined at the shelter for um, four months because it was exposed to a possible rabbit or raccoon. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's typically four months or so is where you start to see signs if there if something was happening. You never know. So, but that's where, you know, that's where it comes in from you know, the health department and there's a rabies compendium that they do every year from the Georgia Department of Health that kind of tells us how to deal with rabies quarantines and things. And it's totally preventable. Yes. Uh, just getting your animals their rabies shots and making sure that you get them in a timely manner. Um, I believe that cats, it's every year and dogs is every year or every three years. Cats, depending. It depends on the vaccine. There okay. are vaccines that are approved in cats that can last for three years. Okay. The worry with that is, is that you, you worry with cats as far as they can have vaccine site reactions and they can have vaccine site sarcomas, which are not extremely common, but aren't uncommon either. Mm -hmm. So it can cause va over vaccinating and cats can cause cancer. So what they typically do is try to, make the virus a little, the vaccine more like less adjuvant, less things added to the vaccine. So what mm -hmm. happens is you're giving basically pure rabies vaccine to a cat and those vaccines are only approved for a year. Okay. Dogs don't typically worry about that. So you can go every three, you know, it's very common for you to go every three years with a dog vaccine. Right. But you've uh, got to have your vet give you yeah, the, that's the three the year vaccine. You can't get the one year and expect it to yeah, last for one three. One year does not last for three. And, if, okay. and typically that comes back to, you know, when there's a bite, when there's exposure that happens, they they go back and review that. If you've got a one-year vaccine, then and you're overdue yeah. for that one-year vaccine, that changes things versus if you've sure. had a three-year vaccine. Okay. And what what happens to a person if your dog is exposed to the virus? They're in that questionable period of time where maybe you're at the end of that vaccine or you're overdue because, you know, Life happens and you just don't get to the vet at the right time. And now you got bit by your dog. You're playing with your dog and your dog bit you. What what happens? Yeah, so typically all these cases are, it's a case-by-case -case basis that goes back to the health department. Uh -huh. There's someone in the health department that actually deals with those and looks at everything. If we can, let's start with like if a dog, if a dog bite happens. Like if uh -huh. your dog bites you, it doesn't matter whether the dog's kernel rabies vaccine or not current on the rabies vaccine, it has to undergo a quarantine of some type. 
Right. Unvaccinated dogs or dogs that are severely overdue, and that really mm-hmm. depends on the case. I mean, it could be you know months to years overdue. Maybe they've had mm-hmm. one vaccine when they were a puppy, but never had another one. Mm-hmm. Those dogs typically undergo a 10-day quarantine at the shelter or okay. at some rabies-approved place where they have to be completely isolated from human contact. Um, if they've already, been, if they have been vaccinated, and they're current. Those dogs or cats can be kind of observed at home for anything. Mm-hmm. And typically, what happens is and the reason that there's a 10-day quarantine is if you have a bite that happens on day one, mm-hmm. and that animal is rabid, the animal has rabies. Typically, by day 10, they'll start showing signs. Usually, death. Usually, mm-hmm. they'll die by the, ten, the end of that 10 days. Mm-hmm. So that's where the 10-day period comes from and it really depends on you know if the dog's never had a vaccine that's that's a 10-day quarantine you vaccinate them at the end and they go if there's you know it depends if it's current Mm -hmm. typically they booster the they may booster the vaccine sure or they may not depending but they it's a 10-day quarantine and they watch them to the end yeah you know we've had some that are not current typically you'll do a little bit longer maybe a 45-day quarantine it all depends on the case sure but there's you know we typically will watch them you know severely overdue animals typically a 45-day watch and i think it goes back to you have to be a responsible pet owner um you got to make sure that your your animals get vaccinated um i've had friends tell me you know well my cat is an indoor cat it never goes out it's never going to be exposed to the virus um well if you have a dog that goes out that could expose them or if it's like my cat my cat loves to sneak out the door and go sit on the porch and it might be 10 or 15 minutes before i notice that she's gone right um you know because they have free reign of the house and so they could get attacked in that time period and then they have no protection so it's always better to go have them vaccinated and it's it's not that expensive. No, it's not. And I think the biggest issue that you have is there's science and then there's actual, like rabies is one of these, it's, our, the vaccine is there to protect the animals, but it's it's a huge, just public health problem. Mm-hmm. And with that, like we have to err, always err on the side of caution with this. And that's why, you know, if you have, well, in instance, if you have a cat that you take to the vet. Mm-hmm that's never been vaccinated and bites someone that becomes an issue. And that becomes, that puts you under the, that puts you under the control of the powers that be the health mm-hmm. department, whether it's us, whether it's the health department, they can say that can determine the outcome, what happens to that cat because they're, you know, unvaccinated, unvaccinated animals that bite humans, whether they're, that's prolonged. That's a six month quarantine. Oh, wow. You know, we've had cats that have been in six-month quarantine that bite somebody that were never that, with no vaccine history whatsoever. So that can become expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking, you know, at ten dollars a day for six months. Yeah, and that's seven, eight hundred dollars. You know, it's a couple thousand dollars, to, possibly. Right. And in that case, some of those opt for euthanasia. Right. So uh, you know, if it's between, hey, let's vaccinate the cat at least once in its life, mm-hmm. or never vaccinated and hopefully it doesn't bite anybody. I would opt for the vaccine. You know, a $20 vaccine sure. can prevent this. And I think that, you know, you know, there's all this controversy. And this is where coming up as a veterinarian kind of makes it a little bit weird for me. But there's a lot of controversy about over-vaccinating animals. Mm-hmm. You know, that falls into, you know, distemper, feeling mm-hmm. leukemia, FVRCP, those type of vaccines that you use for animals, for dogs and cats. 
I understand those concerns, but I also understand the health concerns, the public health part of it with rabies and you just need to do it every year or every three years. Yeah. I mean, it's just not that hard. And if you're worried about the cost, there are low cost clinics. You guys do them a couple times a year. We do them a couple times a year. We do that thing, you know, and then, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like over the, I don't know, my veterinary career, I think that rabies vaccines have always been the thing that have drawn people to the mm-hmm. animal hospitals. That's what veterinarians have always used to try to drum up office visits to try, you know, you've got to come in yearly for your rabies vaccines. And that's sure. because people tend to, you know, that, that's the thing that they remember. Right. And I think that that's, you know, while that's the most important thing and we still have, you know, there's still the whole other health issues with animals and stuff too, that we can talk about one day soon. Yes. But I think that that's, you know, basic bare minimum is rabies. I mean, it's required by law as well. So, Right, That's, and we, we have ordinances here, and absolutely. I'm sure it's in our ordinance that you must have your I'm animals. Have a yearly or every three-year rabies vaccine. And if typically we don't go out and pursue mm-hmm. those rape, people that don't have rabies vaccines, but if we have your animal and animal services for whatever reason at the shelter, you can be cited for no shots. Okay. And, you know, typically that just requires me giving a rabies vaccine or getting into a veterinarian to get a rabies vaccine, mm-hmm. but it could be worse. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is we love our pets and we need to protect them. And this is one of the ways that we protect them. And by doing this, we protect the community. Because um, the worst thing ever is going to be to get bit and not be sure. And as the human have to go through the rabies vaccination process or whatever that is, I it's not a pleasant process. It's not. I thought I was going to have to go through it once because I got bit by a wild animal. Um, totally my fault. Um, you, you know me, I'm, I'm an animal no, person. Absolutely. I know. Um, so I picked up a baby squirrel that I thought had gotten hit by a car and it bit me in four places. Um, luckily for me, after the health department stopped laughing at me, uh, which I totally understood them laughing at me because they were like, you did what? Um, they, they actually explained to me that I didn't have to have a rabies shot because it would not have survived being attacked right. by something that had rabies. Absolutely. Um, so therefore I was pretty much in the clear. Yeah, and that's something else I was going to kind of touch on is is the animals that have rabies, like that could have rabies. I mean, we know the big the big one is raccoons, and that's mm-hmm. one. I mean, just recently we had a, uh, had another raccoon that right. was tested positive in Georgetown. Yeah. So there happen it happens all the time. Raccoons carry rabies. The other species, you know, a lot of people are scared of possums because they're worried that they carry rabies. Possums, although they can, don't typically, right? Because their body temperature is too low. Oh, I didn't realize that was yeah. the reason for they, it. They, they can't. Did it? They can't typically. It can't survive in a possum. You know, other animals. The most com- the other one that we see commonly in savannah is bats. Oh. And bats are the one. The one thing that I always warn people: just if you see bats, just stay away from bats. Yeah. You know, there's no. You know, I like bats. I like to. You know, they're cute little things. But at the same time, you know, I you know, as a veterinarian, I always whenever I see a bat, that's the first thing that comes into my mind is rabies because that's. Yeah. They carry it, and that's that's a scary situation too because. Bat bites, you don't know that they bite you sometimes. Really? So there are, kind of, you know, people that find bats in their house. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, like you wake up in the morning and there's a bat in your house. You don't know how long it's been in your house. That, depending on what, the, you know, that's something you may want to contact the health department about because that could be considered an exposure. I had, when I was right out of vet school, one of the veterinarians that I worked for, we were talking about rabies and she at the time had had her daughter was like four, but she, we were talking about rabies prophylaxis and the, and the vaccines you have to get mm-hmm. after exposure. And she was talking about her daughter had to have it when she was 
know, five months old, I think maybe a little oh bit younger gosh. because they live, I don't remember exactly where she lived, but they, they went into her bedroom one morning and her husband noticed that there was a bat on the ceiling. Oh, wow. And, you know, the baby had been sleeping with this bat all night long. He freaked out, took a broom, knocked mm-hmm. the bat around and opened the window and shooed the bat out the window. Okay. And her being a veterinarian came, whoa, what do you mean? Yeah. So they examined the baby, didn't see anything, but the bat was this big. Right. So they ended up, you know, the, their pediatrician talked to them, you really should. You don't know. If mm-hmm. you want to err on the complete side of caution, yeah. get the rabies for prophylaxis. So they did. So that's, bats are scary things with with rabies. Not all animals that, you know, not all raccoons that you see have rabies either. Just because no. they're out during the daytime or coming to your house doesn't mean they have rabies. It just means that you have a food source. Right. Typically it's cat food. Yeah. That you're feeding, you know, you're feeding cats outside. You like raccoon, raccoons come up and eat it and they'll come out whenever to get food. They like to eat. <laughs> um, the other, the other big ones, you know, foxes can carry, you know, foxes we'll mm-hmm. see sometimes with rabies. Um, but the other, like the smaller, like you said, with the squirrels and some of the smaller things, although they can typically carry the virus for them to get the virus, mm-hmm. they would have had to be bitten by something that had it. And typically in those situations, they don't survive that. So right. the the probability of them having rabies is pretty rare. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, that, that's, that's all good information. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about today about rabies or other vaccinations maybe that your animals should get that we need to remind people that they should be getting this? Well, I think I talk about rabies specifically. That's what I deal with every day. I think you talk to your veterinarian, you know, your veterinarian will tell you what vaccines each animal should have depending on their exposure. It should be a case by case basis. It shouldn't be every year you get X, Y, and Z. You should mm-hmm. be, you know, you should have that conversation with your vet and say, Hey, this is what my dog does. My dog lives on the couch. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go outside. He doesn't board. He doesn't do this. And let you and your veterinarian should decide what vaccines are best for your animals. I don't. I don't like to step into that. Not as a veterinarian, I was. Sure. You know, there is a lot of stuff out there nowadays about over vaccinating and under vaccinating, and mm-hmm. I don't like to make those individual decisions for people. I will tell you that rabies vaccines always. The other vaccines, that's where you talk to your vet to know. I mean, when we have. I will say that when animals come into the shelter, they're they're immediately vaccinated for Bordetella and distemper parvo. Dogs mm-hmm. are just as a protection. Sure. And we have a lot of people that may get a little upset of that if their dogs, is, you know, if your dog is found mm-hmm. by you know by us or reported or brought in, we vaccinate those to protect not only those dogs but to protect the dogs that are in our that are in our care. Mm-hmm. So occasionally people will say, "Oh, you know, my dog already had that vaccine." Well, okay, well, they we just got a booster. We don't know. Yeah, they just got a booster. We didn't know. But, I, you know, I do think, you know, vaccines are kind of a hot button issue with veterinarians. Sure. And I think that talk to your veterinarian. They'll tell you, you know, what vaccines your cat should have, what vaccines your dog should have. And let them, them and you make that decision. I think that's great. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to mm-hmm. have you back on the show um, in the next couple of weeks. We've got some other topics we want to talk about. Animal services doesn't just deal with rabies. They don't just deal with adoptions. There's other things that they do. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the warm and cuddly and fuzzy, and that's the adoptions because a lot of times people don't know that they can adopt from you guys. So thank you for being here today, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Thank you for being with us on the chat today. We'll see you next time.